We talked about the widow who was ready to take the little flour and the little oil that she had and to make food for her and her son and then to die. And then she's faced with, with this command from God by the a prophet Elijah, and she is to take care of him for the rest of the drought and had the faith to believe that she would never run out of oil or flour, and she did not. Then we talked, thirdly, that God asks us to do difficult and challenging things. And we talked about the fact that God commanded Elijah to go and show himself, and Elijah then sends Obadiah to Ahab, and Obadiah figured that, well, something was going to happen. Elijah was going to be whisked away by God, and he would be standing there alone. And because the word had been sent out to find all of the prophets, and they were all to be put to death, that he just knew he was going to be put to death because Elijah could not then be found. Then we talked about the fact that we must stand up for the truth. That Ahab had falsely accused Elijah and Elijah stood up for himself and for the truth, and he rebuked Ahab. Now, the things we're going to talk about as we continue, they are interrelated, interrelated to this. As the story is progressing in 1 Kings chapter 18 and, and about halfway through in verse 19, now the drought had been going on for about three years, as best we can calculate. And Elijah has Ahab call together 850 false prophets. The point I want to make now is that we must challenge false prophets, false teachers, and false religions. Because we see here that Elijah does this. Again, we do this in the right way. We're speaking in the right way. We're speaking the truth in love with reverence and, and gracious speech, all of this, re remember all the things we've talked about, but we must challenge people. And in doing this, we have a chance to teach and to present and to convict through the Word of God. I want you to notice in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses. Well, we'll read verses 19 and 20. Now, I realize we read all of these a few weeks ago, all of these, these verses, but, but I, I want to read a few of them again. Verse 19, Elijah is now before Ahab. Now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went, sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So now we have this great assembly of all of Israel, that would be millions and millions of people, of all those who could come, and there were 850 false prophets. Imagine 850 assembled together. Imagine the crowd, uh, imagine the clamoring. And so this was a challenge, first of all, to Ahab, to assemble all of these people, and he does. Now look at verse 21. Now he challenges Israel, the people who were there, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer a word. 
So now he is challenging the people to make a decision. And he has another challenge, beginning in verse 22. And, and, and we won't take time and read all of these verses going through verse 40. We'll read a few of them in just a moment. But here he challenges the prophets of Baal. And, and, and he challenges them to make a prepare a sacrifice. And then to call upon Baal to come and to answer them. And he gives them time for, for them to do it. Then he does it calling on Jehovah God. They prepare to oxen to sacrifice and have this challenge and uh, the prophets of Baal call on Baal to uh, light this fire of the sacrifice and so Baal is not answering and I want you to notice that as he is challenging them, challenging them now he presses them harder well, look at verse 26 then they took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice for, uh, for he is a God. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey or perhaps is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cry, cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. If you can see this, to me this is, is one of the comical things of the Bible. It's, it's sadly true. But if you can imagine these prophets and and they have prepared this sacrifice and they're calling out on Baal to, to, to come down and to light the wood of the sacrifice and he doesn't answer. And Elijah mocks them. Now again, realize he's, he's dealing with false prophets. He's not dealing with individuals maybe who have been misinformed. He's dealing with false teachers and false prophets and he mocks them for what they are doing. So they try harder. And they're leaping about. And if you can see them maybe going about in a circle, lots of them. And they're crying out with loud voices. And they're cutting themselves. And blood is going everywhere. And they're trying to get Baal to answer. And of course he does not. Elijah called the people to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. Apparently this is an altar that had been broken down over the years. And he made a large trench around the altar. And he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood which he had prepared. And he had people pour water over the ox and the wood three times, filling the trench. And Elijah prayed and fired of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and the people fell on their faces and said the Lord he is God the Lord he is God Elijah challenged them with their false religion and their false religious practices he challenged them to do it I oftentimes have uh, people who write me or talk to me criticizing my teaching 
from the Word of God that there are no miracles today. And oftentimes, I will politely challenge them. When we were living in Thomasville, I had a friend who was a, uh, had a mortuary. And I would challenge them to get their religious leaders and their teachers and their preachers and let's go and let's assemble together and watch them raise the dead. And of course, not a one ever did. Not a one even ever tried to respond to the challenge. The point is that sometimes we must challenge people to get to them. Lessons we learn from this story. That false prophets and false teachers oftentimes outnumber the teachers of God's word. But this does not make them strong and this does not make them powerful and this does not make them right. In that case, there is not strength in numbers. Also, we learn that prophets, false prophets, and false teachers oftentimes do absurd things in the name of their religion. These were crying out and leaping around and cutting themselves with sword and lances and bleeding all over the place, blood gushing out, thinking that that's going to change something. All you have to do is turn on the TV sometimes and you'll see just things are just absurd. Some people are handling snakes in the name of the Lord. And doing all sorts of crazy things. Oftentimes the false teachers and false prophets do these crazy things. They unfortunately appeal to people who are deceived with a false religion. But it does no good religiously or spiritually and those things are, are vain. Thirdly, that Yahweh, God does not listen to those false teachers and those false Prophets. Baal did not respond, and God does not respond when called upon by them. Things we can emphasize. Look with me at verse 31. As we challenge people, again, speaking the right way, in a, in a polite manner, with reverence, but as we challenge people and the things that they believe, these are some things to keep in mind. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come. Elijah is emphasizing the word of God. And we need to emphasize the word of God too. In challenging individuals. Well, one time a, a friend of mine who had recently become a Christian and we were at work and we were talking. And uh, and and I challenge him to find where Christmas is in the Bible. He was a new Christian. He didn't know such things as that. He was surprised to find out that Christmas is not in the Bible. But you see, he had to be challenged so that he could learn something. We challenge people with the Word of God. Oftentimes, I'll ask someone very nicely, very politely, where is that in the Bible? I did that recently with someone I care about dearly. And I, and I said, where is that in the Bible? And the person responded back to me and said, you, you know I don't know the Bible. Well, I'm, I hope that that showed them something. You don't know the Bible. You need to know the Bible. Challenge using the Word of God. Look also at verse 32. 
to emphasize obedience to God. Verse 32. So with the stones, he, that's Elijah, built an altar in the name of the Lord. You see what the prophets of Baal did? They were doing that in the name of Baal, in the name of this false god. But Elijah did so in the name of Jehovah God. When challenging individuals with the things that they think that are wrong, with the things they believe that are wrong, with the things that they are teaching that are wrong, especially those who are false teachers, teaching error, doing it blatantly and on purpose to persuade others to their position, it was not long ago. We had a dear friend visiting in our house who's not a Christian. And this individual was teaching things that were wrong and doing it repeatedly over and over and over. This individual had stayed with us many times in our house. And because this person was constantly pressing these false religious views, I had to challenge this individual and to do so, which one may say severely, with the word of God. And my conclusion to this individual, after having a discussion, holding this person's feet to the fire, to the word of God, to respond with the word of God, again, the nicest way that I could, was to conclude, dear friend, you just don't know the Bible. And you need to learn the Bible. And you can't go about teaching these false things not knowing what the Bible says. Verse 36, also we must be humble. To challenge someone and their beliefs, but to be humble with reverence and fear, as Peter tells us, with gracious speech, as Paul tells us, but brethren, we cannot allow ourselves to be silenced and to stand and to do nothing and say nothing. We must challenge with humility. Verse 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Elijah was very humble. Although he was a mighty man of God and many miracles were wrought, by his hand, according to the word of God, he was very humble. The emphasis was on the word of God and obedience to God. And it was not on outlandish, worldly, ridiculous things as the prophets of Baal. Also, as we do this, we should bring glory to God. In verse 36, we've already read as Elijah is praying, he is bringing glory to God. And then in verse 37, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then drop down to verse 39. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. When they saw what God did, when they saw this miracle of the fire coming down and taking away even the dust so that nothing remained, all the people saw it. They fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he 
is God. We challenge. As Elijah challenged all of Israel. And what happened? They saw and they realized as this man speaking from the word of God and acting as directed by God, they saw that they were wrong and they humbled themselves before Jehovah that he is God. As they saw all of these things occur and that God listened to his prophet. One other very important thing I, I believe we can get from this and that is the fate of false prophets and false teachers. Peter talks about this. He talks about those who are reserved in Gehenna, those who have died and reserved in Gehenna for the punishment of God, eternal punishment of God. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 40. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kidron and slew them there. All those prophets, hundreds of prophets, were killed there. And that is the fate of these false prophets, false teachers, is the, the punishment from God. Brethren, I know it's a hard thing to do. I know it's not easy. And I know it's even harder to do the right way. But we must train ourselves not to be silent, but to speak up the right way and challenge so that hopefully through the word of God we can bring others to realize they're doing those things that are wrong that are contrary to God and they too shall answer Jehovah is God another lesson from 1 Kings 17 and 18 that we learn is the power of prayer. Because now these things are complete. God had commanded Elijah to go and to pray, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he commands him again to go and to pray. And it rains. Turn your Bibles with me over to James chapter 5. And I want us to think about this for just a few moments, and then we'll be back to 1 Kings. And, and, and to learn a very good lesson of what happens immediately after this. James chapter 5. James using these events near the beginning as Elijah had prayed it did not rain. Now three and a half years later after the droughts. And the humbling of Israel, now God directs him to pray again and it rains. James uses this to teach us a lesson and that is the power, the effectiveness of prayer. In verse 16, the end of verse 16, James 5, the end of verse 16. The effective prayer, or your translation may say, the fervent prayer of a righteous man can avail much or accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And, and let me pause here for just a second. Melanie Trask gave me a uh, 
sermon suggestion. Of course, it's, it's really just a lot of sermon suggestions. And that is to use some of these Old Testament stories. And a lot of times we forget that these are real people who are just like us. Elijah's just like each and every one of us. Elijah had problems like all of us. He had the same thoughts and the difficulties like us. But you know what? He brought himself to do these incredible things as directed by God. And James uses this as an example. He is one who has a nature like us. He is like us. So let us learn the lessons that we can from Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. James uses this to teach about the power of prayer. And if I were to give commentary on my life and on many others, many other Christians whom I know, is that we shortchange God. We underestimate God. Well, we'll see that later on, Lord willing, if we continue on in Elijah. We'll see that Elijah underestimated God. And he felt sorry for himself. I'm the only one that's left. And God said, Elijah, don't think so much of yourself. I've got 7,000 over here in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Don't underestimate me. And I think we underestimate the power of prayer. I think we underestimate the effectiveness of prayer. And maybe that's why we don't pray as we should. Maybe that's why I don't pray sometimes as I should. Maybe that's why sometimes we don't call for the elders as we should to pray for us because we don't think God really does that much when we pray. But James is saying, look at Elijah. He's just like you. He prayed. It didn't rain. Three and a half years later, by the will of God, he prayed, and here it is raining. And we have a nature just like his. <clears throat> so he says, if any of you are sick, call for the elders and pray. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 John chapter 5. And there are many, many scriptures we can look at. I want to look at just one very briefly to, to remind us about our confidence in prayer. Our confidence in prayer. 1 John chapter 5 and beginning in verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's what this whole epistle has been about. Verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is our confidence that God hears us when we ask anything according to his will. And what is his will? That with all prayers and supplication with thanksgiving, we make known to him all those things which we care for. So that there are no anxieties in our life. 
And this is our confidence that God is listening and God is answering. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. We know that God is listening and we know that God is answering according to his will. And as we've talked about recently, we know that he is doing the things that are good for us and that he needs to have done, that his will is brought about in his way, in his time, even if it is through the suffering as we see Elijah and the hundred prophets and the widow. Elijah demonstrates the effectiveness Effectiveness, the power of prayer. And brethren, I ask us, do we believe in the effectiveness of prayer? Do we believe in the power of prayer? Or do we just, well, God already knows, and God already knows what we need, and God already knows what's going on, so I don't need to waste my time with that. Is that our attitude? I'm sorry to say sometimes that has been my attitude, and that's wrong. And then sometimes we look at our lives and we see that things aren't going the way that they could be going. And sometimes we look in the church and we see that things aren't going the way that they could be going. And then we ask ourselves, are we really praying about it the way we ought to be praying about it? And then maybe we answer, no, we are not. And maybe it's just because we're not praying about it. That's the reason things aren't going the way they could go. And things aren't as good as they could be. And Elijah shows us the power of prayer. One other lesson I want to take, and I'm taking these in chronological order as presented. And if you go back with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, after all these things were done, now Ahab goes and tells his wife Jezebel what had happened. And Jezebel threatens Elijah. And I look at the clock and my time is up. Can't believe it. I'm going to save that one. Try to keep in mind, I know it's hard, try to keep in mind the historical narrative. Maybe revisit these verses, chapter 17 and 18. We'll get into the beginning of 19 because all of these things are interrelated and in the story that has progressed. And now Ahab tells Jezebel. And Jezebel threatens to try to stop Elijah. And what we're going to talk about Perhaps we'll get to it next Lord's Day. There are many people today who are threatening us to try to stop us. And we have to deal with those threats. Lord willing, we'll talk about that later. Let's extend the gospel invitation. If you get your songbook out, number 317, all things are ready. If you're not a Christian this morning, all things are ready. There's nothing holding you back. If you've strayed from the truth and you're not living the way that you ought to be, all things are ready. There's nothing holding you back. Well, I'll correct that a little bit. 
Nothing holding you back except for maybe yourself. And that you can change. If you're not a Christian, what must you do to be saved? Simply believing in Jesus Christ to do the things that he would have you to do. What's that? Repent of your sins. To turn away from those things that are wrong to do the right things. <coughs> Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Your sins will be washed away. You'll be added to the church. You'll be adopted by God to be his child. You'll be a Christian. You'll start a new life today. If you are a Christian and strayed from the truth, you get a new start today if you want it. Simply by praying to God, confessing those things to him, and asking forgiveness, you'll be washed again in the blood of Jesus Christ all over again, just like the day you were baptized. And you get to start all over again. So we'll extend the gospel invitation. If you have any need of responding to the gospel, we pray that you'll do so at this time. If you would, by stepping to the front now as we stand and sing.